away. Better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. Okay, it's Monday morning. We are back on the North Coast. Uh, Jared in Brisbane is joining us. It's a big day in sport today. The uh, the Aussies beat the Poms in the Netball World Cup last night. Is there any better result than Australia beating England in anything, Jared? No, I don't think so. And uh, what about the march? It absolutely resounding. Sixteen goals, yeah. And uh, England beat them on the way through in the pool games. And then they come out and win as decisively as they did. Outstanding. And the and the best result to come out of that World Cup, the Netball World Cup, is is Jamaica beat New Zealand in the playoff for third and fourth. Yes. So uh, yes. and the Aussies beat Jamaica in the semi. So fantastic result. We've got the Matildas tonight at eight o'clock. Um, the, um, obviously that will be a sellout. Um, Sam Kerr apparently is playing. How the hell would you know when? Uh, you're dealing with um, this uh, this coach. He's he's an interesting character, to say the least. Talking on coaches, Jared, did you catch Wayne Bennett's press conference? I, I've watched it about three times. I I just dumbfounded. I so let's just go, let's a... just go through it. Let's just go through the one liners because I've watched it. I'm the same as you. I've watched it a gazillion times. I've been reading about it. Um, Journalist, where do you think the areas? Uh, what do you think were the areas that let you down today, Bennett? You didn't watch the game, journalist. <laughs> I watched the game, Bennett. Then you can write about it, journalist. But just from your opinion, Bennett, I don't want to share share my opinion with you, journalist. Why is that? Because it's just my opinion. I'm not really interested in sharing it. First of all, Wayne, commiserations on the loss. What were your your thoughts on the match? Well, they're a bit mixed at the moment, so. I'll keep them to myself. Uh, I'm guessing the SASA stuff is playing on your mind? A lot of things playing on the mind right now. Mm. Well, what did you make of that SASA penalty in particular? Well, you could say that the referee referees to the laws of the game. You, you often see that in games and it's not called. Did you think that that should have been called a penalty? You need to ask the referee. Yeah. I didn't call the penalty. And what were your emotions in that moment when, when it was called? I was fine. I guess it's such a crucial moment. And just looking at today as a whole, where do you think were the areas that let you down? You didn't watch the game? I I watched the game. Well, you can write about it. But just from your opinion? I don't want to share it with you. (laughs) Why is that? (laughs) Because it's just my opinion. I'm Mm. not really interested in sharing it. Oh, my God. Yeah, and his 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 body language and his demeanour was just terrible. And yeah, I know. And for most of his career, I've agreed with his his uh, disagreement with the media. But um, this is yeah. this is just way wrong. I mean, and because the game was in WA, we only ended up with one journalist asking all the questions in the press conference because everybody else was so far away. And the poor guy, I actually thought he did a really good job, and he, he kept did. trying to ask the right questions and be polite and keep it civil. And 
Bennett was just way out of line. Well, we'll uh, we'll get to a, the review of the main games over the weekend, but if you look at this uh, this ladder, it really is going to go down to the wire. So we've got uh, Panthers 36 with the Broncos. <laughs> Uh, the Warriors, who are firing on all cylinders after a, a bye and a good rest and a really good win over a physical um, Titans on 32. Storm 30, Raiders 30. I don't know how the Raiders got out of that one. Uh, Sharks have bounced back. Fitzy's got them up for a, a really good performance over the over the Rabbitohs, 28. Knights, have scra- they're scraping into 7th on 27. And then you got the Rabbitohs, Eels, Cowboys on 26. Sea Eagles 25, Roosters 24. And I think the key thing to keep in mind when you look at the ladder is there's still the influence of teams that have had two buys or three buys. So make sure that you also look at the number of wins each team has had. Um, you're 100% right. Uh, again, as we've discussed over the last couple of weeks, there've been upset results that we didn't really expect. The big one on the weekend was the Sharks win. We'll get to that in a moment. It was just very impressive. The rabbits were equally unimpressive. It means that the sharks now, um, the life support's been turned down and they've got a bit of a heart pump uh, in their run home. Looking at those games and run homes, the sharks have got the Titans, the Cowboys, the Knights, the Raiders. Um, Each of them winnable, each of them could be loss um, and some really tight calls. Uh, the Raiders storm this week. Now that's an absolutely crucial game for them and for the Storm, for the Storm's implications around ending up in the top four, and for the Raiders who currently sit on the table at twelfth. Uh, sorry, at fifth. Um, if they end up losing three of those last four, they miss the eight. Yeah. Right. And then the Knights have actually got a very good run home. Yeah, well, they've got the, the next three at home, Jared. They'll all be sold out. Yes. Well, they've got the Bulldogs, the Rabbits, the Sharks, the Dragons. Now, given how the Rabbits now are um, playing so poorly, yeah. uh, they're a chance of winning three, if not all four. Well, they're going to so, be very hard to beat at home, aren't they? With, you know, I don't know what that stadium takes, but it's got to be 20-odd thousand screaming Newcastle yeah. Knight supporters. Yeah, right. Well, let's the go. About, the, the thing about the rabbits um, in their uh, since round eleven, they've only won three games. Yeah, I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. They've got all their all their uh, key personnel back on the park. It's we'll get to that one, but let's just start quickly. I mean, neither of these sides are going to make the, the the top eight, you would think, but they both have a fleeting chance. <coughs> uh, Roosters got up over the Seagulls. Uh, Matt Lodge injured in that game. He's out for the rest of the season, but it's about his 25th club, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, 26-16, um, can you see, if, you, if, if your view, Jared, is that these guys can't make the eight, we move on to the next game. Roosters, see yeah, there's, there's nothing to see here. Really? Line through them, gone. Line through them, yeah. Okay, yep. Titans, yeah, Warriors. Listen, I, I think the Eagles probably lose just about every game from here. I think the Roosters might end up with a win. It doesn't matter. They're not in in contention. Gee, that'd be upsetting if the Seagulls lost every game. Uh, the next one on Friday night was the Warriors um, coming off a bye, and we understand uh, that they only trained once prior to playing on Friday night uh, with the Titans. They were well-rested, um, obviously uh, carrying a lot of injuries at the end of uh, you know what has been a pretty 
physical season um, and that game was really physical. Uh, really good game. Um, Jaden Campbell starting. Thank God for that. He was outstanding. This Warriors team, they're good. Yeah, well, just on Jaden Campbell, as I said for weeks, he, he needs to be in a starting team. He started. The kid's a star. I mean, that's probably the, the third, if not fourth occasion he's been the best or one of the top two on the field in the last four or five weeks. Um, he's just a pleasure to watch. Another outstanding, brilliantly talented, fast, lovely soft hands, um, fullback that we have in the game. Uh, ripper game, I thought this. Uh, the Warriors got the job done in the end, ended up getting to a 10-point margin. They were my best bet to cover eight and a half. Thank God they did. Um, a couple of little stories on Webster. One was... Yes, I got told late Friday that they'd only had uh, two training runs prior to this game, one of which was the captain's run. So that's just a walkthrough. So he'd literally given them the best part of 10 to 12 days of no training to freshen up because they had to buy uh, looking ahead. Whereas often we see many teams um, with an extra physical load through this period as they try and taper toward the finals. So that was very interesting. I thought there were times in the game where they did appear to play a little bit fresh. Um, their combinations in, it, in attack just lacked a little bit of uh, precision that we've seen previously. So I'm sure that they improve out of this. And Webster's just a pleasure to watch, isn't he? He's, uh, he's light. He makes things fun. He clearly has an outstanding rapport with his team. Um, he does a lot of little stuff in and around the team to lighten things up with funny video reviews and all this other sort of fun time interaction with his team that has just got them so positive. Yeah, I think um, for me too, they, they don't have any key personnel out. So unless they run into injuries in the next couple of weeks and, you know, touch wood, they don't, they're going to give it a real shake. They're really hard to defend on. Um, you have touched on it <coughs> previously, but... They seem to have a different attack plan every week, so that it's not like they're just sort of running through the stock standard, you know, out the back, down the, you know, down the right, down the left, whatever. They they definitely seem to have really well thought out attack plans, uh, depending on the opposition that they're playing. I I don't think any side in the top eight would be wanting to play the Warriors, especially if they end up, you know, they're probably going to end up second or third, so they're going to be at home at some stage. Uh, yes, I, I agree. Um, I think they're well. They're likely now to finish probably third or fourth, um, and whether that either gets them a home semi final or not, um, they're a, they're a bit of a power. And yeah, you know, if they end up playing the Broncos in in week one, oh. I mean, there's no doubt that stadium will be sold out. But I tell you, half of them will be Kiwis. I mean, look at the crowd there at Rabina on yeah the support uh, Friday. Yeah, it was outstanding. So. Uh, and, and as Webster touched on in his pre-game in- interview, everybody in New Zealand is talking about the Waratahs. The Warriors. The Warriors, We're sorry, not, the Wars. We won't, we won't get onto the Wallaby Test match, Jared. No, no, no. Um, the, the Wars, as they now call Hashtag Wars, yep. W-A-R. How good. I'm on them. I'm on them. I like them. Uh, Friday night, uh, Panthers, Juggernaut moves on 26-6 over the Storm. Storm really couldn't get going. Uh this Panther side, you would think, unless they run into a lot of injuries, because everyone that slots in does their job, they are outstanding. They're playing really, really good football at the right end of the right end of the season, um, and they're aiming up for possibly their fourth grand final in a, in a row. It's going to take a lot of stopping. All, 
Yeah, it was. It was all about the first half here. I mean, they led 20 to 6 and a half time. It went on to a one more try in the second half to a 26-6 result. As Bellamy said after the game, the Storm shot themselves in the foot in the first half with seven errors. They just gave the Panthers so much field position, so much ball, so much opportunity. You can't do that to this team, especially at home. I think that that's a fair result and about the gap between the two teams as it was back in round 18. Um, they're just a, a bit of a machine. Where do you see the Storm finishing, Jared? Um, uh, I think they're potentially a fifth. Mm, um, so you don't think they'll be top four? They may end up top four. I, everything comes around uh, for them, I think, this game at home against the Raiders this week. So if what? they win that... I think the rest of their draw is uh, winnable and they can then potentially end up uh, in fourth spot. Right. So what's your top four at the moment, just if we just sort of stop halfway through the uh, round that's just gone? I've got uh, I've got the Panthers on 44. I've got the Broncos finishing on 44. But the Panthers getting minor premiership on differential and they've got a you know, massive uh, advantage there. Warriors third, Storm fourth. At the moment, I've got the Raiders finishing fifth, but you know I've got a question mark against that now with uh, their form. The Knights sixth, the Sharks seventh, and the Cowboys eighth, and the Raiders ninth. But I've got the Knights on thirty-three, the Sharks, Cowboys, Raiders all on thirty-two. So you know, lots of question marks around those bottom three, and a couple of them play each other. You know. A really interesting run home for a couple of them. Yeah, okay. yeah. The big, the big negative for the Raiders is their differential. They're, they're playing with a, you know, a minus fifty something differential at the moment, and that's going to cost them a spot somewhere. Saturday afternoon, uh, up in uh, North Queensland, a pretty high quality game. Um, Cowboys versus the Broncos, always a fantastic rivalry. Uh, the Broncos are really starting to aim up in these games, uh, 30 to 14. Obviously, Cowboys, big loss not having Val Holmes. He is a really big loss. Um, pretty high-quality game, Jared, and again, another very physical physical contest. Broncos have gone to another level the last mm. three weeks. You know, they, they went to the Sunshine Coast and towed up uh, the Rabbitohs three weeks ago, then a, a decisive win that should have been by a bigger margin over the the Roosters last week, and then they had no Adam Reynolds here, which is uh, you know, absolutely instrumental, and went away to a 30-14 to 14 win, and I thought that they probably left a couple of tries did, out there. Yeah. Uh, very impressive. I, I thought the game was line ball with Adam Reynolds out. Um, they absolutely sliced the Cowboys down both edges. They got found out with some uh, key defensive issues and misses, they were strong through the middle, uh, really well led. You know, Payne Haas and Carrigan and Flegler with, um, and you know, what about Walsh? The, the kid, you know, is anything. Ezra Mam, just fantastic. I may have picked up a key injury here with um, Herbie. Um, he yeah, looks like he's got not. a leg injury, and hopefully that's not too major for them. But yeah, they're, they're very impressive, the Broncos. I mean, right now. They look like finishing second. That would mean that they and the Panthers end up on either side of the draw, and you'd have to suggest that uh, they're the two teams to beat, and that's where our grand final might be. Now, just a couple of weeks out, I'll put you on the spot. 
if that is how it plays out, first, second, opposite sides of the draw, let's say they both coast through to the grand final, who would you be on right now, Panthers or the Broncos? Um, I'd, I'd be on the Panthers. I'd probably mark the line. If they're both at full strength, I'd probably mark the line about three and a half between them. Yeah, okay. Um, so, you know, closer than maybe some people think. Uh, the key to beat the Panthers in these big games is you've got to have points um, because they are going to defend so well. You've got to have the capability to open them up and score points. Now, you know, we go back to round one, and the Broncos ended up doing that in a bit of an upset when they uh, were significant underdogs. Um, the, the odd occasion that the Panthers have been beat this week, and I think the notable one was against the Rabbits at Homebush, is when you're prepared to play with the football and open them up and make them have to field scoreboard. Mm. Now, that's one thing that the Broncos can do. You know, with Reynolds at, and and Marm in the halves and Walsh at the back and then some of that strike they have on the edges and their preparedness with Reynolds to actually shift the football and play some football, um, they won't die wondering. Uh, Saturday, first game in Perth uh, was the Dolphins who bounced back. They, I mean, they have a... They have a good tendency, well, good consistency to do this after sort of getting towed up or putting in a poor performance where they do bounce back the week The week after. Um, took the Knights right to the line. The Knights win 30-28. Uh, again, KP in really good form. I continue to really like what I'm seeing with the Knights, Jared, and they do have points in them. So if they do scrape into the eight, they are a side that took the Broncos to the line. They took the Panthers to the line. That is one, um, I think, very vivid point that I'd point out to uh, to you, the Matrix. Um, they could scare a few sides in the if they get into the top eight. The thing they did here, Steve, was and something the Knights haven't done previously uh, this season or through recent years, is come from behind under pressure. Uh, so they were down, they were chasing a game, and that last 15 minutes they really lifted to end up going away to what turned out to be a winning margin. Yeah, and the and Dolphins were good. I mean, we sort of we we sort of um, panned the – not that he played them in those positions, but, you know, Nick Aruma really sort of covered fullback really for most of the game. But, they, yes. you know, Best and Ponga didn't really uh, light them up down that side, did he? Did they? No, they didn't. Yeah, no, yeah Best, best um, had an opportunity to score when he got pulled back and the ball ended up going to the winger on the ground and the winger picked it up and scored in the corner. Uh, but you're right. I thought you know the the changes that Bennett made were were smart. You know Bennett just keeps getting the, something out of the Dolphins, and again he did here. There were times where I thought the Knights defensively, especially on their left edge, were very poor. They got carved up on the first couple of occasions that the Dolphins scored. Um, but as I said, you know they they fought their way back into the game, and you know Ponga again was outstanding. You touched on it last week. His effort and his leadership. Um, and his form over the last six to seven weeks has been the best of his career. He led them back into the game. Um, but the key point for mine was they showed some resolve. You know, they, they could have folded when they were down by eight to ten um, with 15 to go. To turn it around and end up coming away with a two-point win was very, very good. And I think, you know, that's five straight wins. You're right, they now get a run at home games. Um they're a tough nut to crack at the moment and getting some confidence out of it. I think the key thing for Bennett was 
there's no doubt that there was some, uh, as there was in just about every game this weekend, some questionable issues with the referee and some of the decisions, and he really had shits about that, and that's why his demeanour and conversation in the, the press conference. But, um, yeah, very good season for the Dolphins, and I was surprised. I thought the Knights could win more comfortably. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know how you'd mark it, but... The Knights, that was a really big game for them. I think to win in Perth and then know that they are now returning to Newcastle, that they do not have to move for the next month. They've got the next three games at home um, at Newcastle, um, I think is a really big one. How, what sort of, how would you mark the Knights as far as home ground advantage? Is that, a, is that is it two points, four points, six points? Well, depending on who they're playing. So they play the Bulldogs next week. I'd, I'd give them something like three. Um, home ground advantage is far less these days than it was because teams are full-time professional. I reckon um, they could so, put a score on the Bulldogs next week, Jared. Yeah, yeah. I, it's hard to argue with that. Gussie, we're coming for you next weekend. The Knights, righto. Saturday, sh- Saturday second game. Um, I didn't expect this performance with everyone back for the Rabbitohs. Uh, Fitzy, we know Fitzy, if they're going to go out the back door, they will go out punching. And the Sharks turned up. Their attack looked a lot more potent. Um, yes, the Rabbitohs were poor, but the Sharks were good. 26-16. Oh, I thought the Sharks were outstanding. I mean, if you ever wanted to watch a team that was absolutely mentally switched on for effort, attitude, Really rolled their sleeves up right from the outset. The Sharks are super, absolutely super. And, um, you know, I suggested I thought that the Rabbits could win and the Rabbits could probably win by a couple of tries. The market had it by uh, 14 to 16 points. I didn't want to touch the game because I found South really disappointing at not finishing games off over recent weeks. Well, they were not in the contest until the last 20 minutes. The Sharks absolutely went at them. Um, and I thought the Rabbits were incredibly disappointing. Um, my mail last night is that um, there's a few issues in the South camp. Oh, and, uh, what bank? Not, every, not everybody's happy. Not everybody's on the same page. And there's a couple of star players that might not be eye-to-eye with the coach. And oh, really? I don't know where the right or the wrong is, but I can tell you that one of their – a uh, very poor performers on the weekend is one of the names that's been mentioned. So um, that's mm-hmm. a very interesting watch. And as we touched on before, they've only won three games since round 11. You're talking in um, riddles, Jared. Come on. <laughs> Spill the beans. Are we talking Cody, Latrell? Um, it might have been one of the ones you mentioned. Um, Rabbits yeah, okay. against the Dragons this week. Yeah, they're 20-point favourites by the market, which I think is ridiculous. I mean, that's that's on... The, the Souths, we know, at their absolute best. Well, they just haven't been anywhere at that level over recent weeks. And as the Dragons yesterday, you know, they've got a preparedness to push the football at the moment and they're likely to get a couple of key players back. You know, there's a big watch on the Rabbits over the next couple of weeks because I think their season is really on the line. Well, you've got a line and you've had a line through the years for some time. They beat the Dragons 26-20. Obviously, Condo sitting here is a Mad Dragon supporter. Uh, very frustrating watch. I thought some of the adjudicating, especially that strip on uh, Jacob Little by uh, the bald-headed fullback from the, the Parramatta, Parramatta side, uh, King Gufferson, was a really ordinary decision. Um, 
I think the last two games, too, on Sunday, I think the good thing to see here in a salary salary cap uh, generation is that you've got two sides in the Tigers and the Dragons, you know, still having a crack. You know, the Tigers were a bit unlucky. I thought the Dragons were very unlucky. Um, and they're playing against sides that still, you know, can finish in the top eight. I mean, we don't think the Eels are going to, but they mathematically still have a chance. And the Tigers and the Dragons were pretty good. Well, I know we, we, we don't want to spend too much time on it, Stephen, but the, the bunker influence over the whole round was just appalling. And this game and the following game, some of the bunker and refereeing and touch judge decisions um, actually decided what unfolded. What, what's the change and, there? Like, what are, we, what are we missing from the original bunker, um, the way they used to adjudicate to what we have now as far as when Greenberg brought it in? And I think collectively uh, most people were for it. I, I must, I mean, I've expressed my opinion. I find it just totally confusing, um, totally frustrating, and I actually would prefer to watch a game where the referee just referees it and we don't have a bunker influence. Well, the I problem we've got, got now is when it, when it first came in, rightly, the NRL appointed uh, two or three key people to be the same person in the box making the decisions from the bunker on every game so that we got consistency from the same person. Now, that same person so, so, may have so made over all games. mistakes. Over all games? Over all games. Right. That same person may have made errors, but we were going to get the same person, yeah. and there were two or three of them adjudicating every game. What has now unfolded is we have a rotation of different people in the bunker who are also on-field referees or on-field touch judges like Butler and G and Casey Badger and so on. And they are not up to the task. It, it is a different skill set. It is a different view and a different adjudication. And we've just got some horrible decisions being made. What about and some of the send-offs no on the weekend? Like how, how does James Lulai stay at the very least? It wasn't even a penalty and he didn't even get sin binned. And then you have a look at what happened in the Titans game earlier that evening. Well, if you look at the – if you look at um, – um, Mo Fidawaka yep. or uh, Brown send off. You know, the Brown one, supposedly the word from the touch judge was that uh, he left the ground with intent to hit. His feet never left the ground. So I'm not sure what he was actually watching. Yeah, and one of the other yeah. lines uh, used there was he charged out of the line with intent. Well, what does most defenders do? Of course Correct. they got intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was accurate. One of the most, supposedly most experienced and if not in the top three of referees. And then the one with uh, Lulai, he actually did leave the ground and he was third man in. His shoulder connected with the head there and about the temple. That just could have been a horrific injury. He was placed on report, not even Sinbin, and, and he, then got and one gets, match. He gets a fine. And then with a fine, he plays next week. Yeah, it's got me. Yeah, it's anyway. got me absolutely. The, the, totally other, the other key decision in this game, there was clearly the strip, and I agree with you, I thought it should have been a try. The other oh, one was... As in Gufferson? Yes. Yeah. And then the other one was uh, the second try from Cartwright where there was the bomb. If you actually watch the replay, Moses takes out the Dragons player. Moses has no intent for the ball. Uh, he collects the Dragons player. The ball spills. Cartwright picks it up and scores a try. Right. Where was a video referee looking at that and the influence of that player? He's completely missed it. It should not have been a try. So you, you've got six taken off and six given to the Eels. I mean, it's a 12-point turnaround on the game. 
Yeah, very, very frustrating. Um, anyway, let's get into uh, a few predictions for this week. Uh, the games that I'm really looking forward to that we'll talk about on Thursday, I think Sharks at home versus the Titans will be an absolute cracker. Uh, especially, it will. And I'm really, I'm really happy to see the Sharks bounce back because they are one side that can score points if they get it, if they get back in their groove. Uh, I think the Broncos will do a job on the Eels on Friday night at Suncorp. Um, you've mentioned Dragons, Rabbitohs, uh, Warriors, Tigers, who cares? Uh, Roosters, Dolphins, probably similar. And then you've got uh, the Storm who need to bounce back against Sookie Bubs Raiders. Um, and I don't know, I, I, I think the Raiders are a little bit, you know, they're sort of playing in a bit of a false economy. I, 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 if they make the eight, I think they'll just, you know... What's been their w- biggest winning margin this week, Jared? Uh, sorry, this year they've had a lot of two, four, six point wins, haven't they? They've yeah, haven't been yeah, decisive yeah. against anyone. No. And yesterday was an opportunity where they should have won, uh, and and won more convincingly. I, I really like what the Tigers did yesterday, and the Tigers um, played a lot of a lot of attack football and a lot of pass football, and they should have won. And really, yeah, yeah, they should have, been, and and really wanted to take the game to the Raiders and. The problem with the Raiders is defensively they they just open up and they they get lazy with line speed they they give you way too much momentum and the Tigers completely capitalised on that yesterday. Every time the Tigers had the football, it was forty and fifty and sixty metre sets, um, and that just creates fatigue. You know, you're not controlling the ruck, you're not con- defensively controlling the game, and you're letting your opponent bring it to you. And uh, once Apisau and um, and Brooks started to play some footy, we, we saw a couple of fantastic tries. I mean, the Brooks try off the kick, the Brooks kick to the corner, you know, that, that long field try, um, yeah, fantastic footy. Can I just um, say something on Brooks? I think Brooks is going to be the equivalent of Hastings. The Tigers let Hastings go, um, obviously not everyone's cup of tea, but a very good halfback, and he's done an extremely good job at Newcastle. And for whatever reason, um, well, there's obviously a, 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 a lot of history there with Brooks and the Tigers, but, you know, there's no doubt Brooks can play in the right setup. And I think he's going to leave the Tigers at the end of the year and he is going to be a guy that we will talk about a lot next year having a really good season at Seagulls. I, I completely agree. And if you look at uh, yesterday, he's playing with uh, the weights off his shoulder. Uh, he's made a decision. Everybody knows he, he doesn't have that expectation on him right now, and he's just playing with a little bit more freedom mentally and, and playing his game. And um, yeah, he, he did some really, really good stuff yesterday. And there are other occasions where just in and around the play, he was pushing players um, where he wanted them to be. He was pushing and shouting about what he wanted for the next play. You know, he's taken his game to a level now of some confidence without the pressure and the expectation. And there's no doubt I think his best football is still in front of him. And I think he will be a very good signing for the Eagles. Um, back to the Raiders. Listen, the market has them 12-point underdogs going to Melbourne. Um, I'm probably not going to be as high as that. Uh, just quickly looking at my initial numbers. Oh, just but- on that too, Ryan Pappy. He got through, Jared. He got through uh, on the what weekend. about the scenes at the Sunshine Coast? How good is that? Oh, I, I mean, you know the other thing that I like. Yeah, the other thing I love too is just the 
like a lot of those senior storm guys got on the plane and flew up to support yeah. him. How good is that? Yeah. They're such a good yeah. club. Such yeah, a good club. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, to see him after the game, some of the some of the, the vision. I mean, they had um, something like five times the crowd they would normally get to the Sunshine Coast. Mm. All of those young kids. He was surrounded by about 100 young kids coming off the ground, and he just stopped to sign autographs and do photos. And then, uh, I don't know whether you saw this, Stephen, but the Queensland Rugby League's website, um, where they host everything to do with the Q Cup, it crashed. Did it? In the course of the game and after the game, um, because it couldn't cope with the bandwidth of so many people wanting to watch the game and the highlights. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it's look, I, I mean, we haven't – obviously, we're huge supporters of um, of Ryan Pappenhausen and, and players that play like that, and we've, we're so lucky in this current generation of uh, the NRL where there's so many good fullbacks um, – but people need to understand the, the, the quality and the resilience of this comeback. Like talking to Frank Panisi, um, I'm pretty sure this is correct. I think Ryan Pappenhausen sought out, it was I think it was minimum three specialist opinions on his knee. It might have even been five. And I'm yep. pretty sure two said you'll never play again. Like yep. his, his knee injury was that bad. Like it was that shattered. So everything, yep. like, you know, obviously the, knowing how the storm operate, I mean – you know, they didn't leave any stone unturned. Um, it's been a really long, difficult comeback for Ryan Pappenhausen and to see him on the field on the weekend, I think, uh, brings a smile to every every sport lover, let alone NRL um, follower. Like, it's so good. So hopefully Absolutely. hopefully he can get back, um, you know, back to some scintillating form that saw him win the Clive Churchill medal um, in their last grand final win and um, we can see him back on the park and back on the TV. Imagine the, fir- the first game back at um, back at Amy Park, coming off the bench, number 14, and he scores a try. How good would that be? Well, it's all about star power, Steve. And, he's got know, plenty. The, 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 he's got plenty, and he's just a super fella, um, and it's so good to see. I see that um, the noises out of the storm last night, which would have been coming from um, Bellamy and Frank, was that they're going to uh, put him in Q-Cup again next week, let him have another... Uh, another a game at that level with probably some more minutes. I mean, he set up two tries from yeah. the highlights that I saw, and you know, fantastic to see. Looking at this round ahead, Stephen, um, the lowest margin of the eight games is eight. So the Sharks are minus eight against the Titans. Everything else is either 12, 20, 16, um, 14. And it's really suggesting some lopsided games. I'm not sure. I haven't had a great look at it yet. I'll uh, I'll go through that just quickly on my ratings. I revo- did some initial revisions uh, yesterday. I brought the rabbits back again. Um, I've got the wa- warriors certainly in the mix. I've got a question mark on the sharks, but realistically, it's about the top two. I've got the panthers um, clearly rated about a four to five point advantage to the broncos. And then I've got the Broncos rated, you know, probably a two to three point advantage to whether it's the Rabbits, the Storm, the Cowboys or the Warriors. So there's certainly a gap at the top of the table. That's where the cream is. And we'll continue to review that uh, as we're getting into the the final rounds of the uh, NRL season. Uh, Jared, we're going to have one really important question for Thursday. I want you to go away and do your homework. I've started doing mine. Let's talk about who we think and why, um, who's the coach of the year. 
great question. Yes, great question. Uh, I saw a couple of good judges pose this over the weekend on social media, and I'm sure the soft spot is probably for Andrew Webster. I'm sure Kevin Walters probably gets in the discussion. Uh, for mine, I think uh, Ivan Cleary has to be the benchmark. But you're right. Let's dissect, it. Let's dissect it on Thursday. I'll catch you Thursday early and we'll have the uh, captain's run. Be good, folks. Okay, see you, Mark. Gunsmoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. <laughs>